0: Hey, Mosaic family, it's Caitlin and Zaru here. Please join us as we reflect on the person of Jesus during this Advent season. We'll be going through some of the names of God as they are expressed in Isaiah 40, and we are excited to dive in.
1: All right, what's up, y'all? What's up? Uh, we got Zeru and Caitlin back in the building for another installment <laughs> of this Advent series. What's up, Caitlin?
0: Hey Z, how's it going?
1: It's going well, going well. I am tired this morning. We are here on Friday. What is the date? December 10th or 9th? It's the 9th, yep. December 9th. We're going to get this podcast posted today too, but, uh, I've been looking forward to having this conversation. Um, we're talking about mighty God mm-hmm. today from Isaiah 40 that is Another name we call Jesus. So
0: (laughs) true. (laughs) That's accurate.
1: Yes. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, so the first question I actually had for us today is, um, when you hear the word mighty, what type of images come to mind?
0: So I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this because I was thinking about this and I don't have a lot of images of God as mighty, Mm -hmm. It's not something that I think about all that often. Right. And I'm wondering if that's because my life has been relatively easy mm. and so I have not found myself often with a need to image God as mighty. Right? Right? Because I feel like mighty the need for God is mighty is is rescue. Right. Maybe I'm maybe that's not true, but that's not, probably not sure. what I've what I've associated that word with. And so I I don't know that I have a good picture of God Mm. as mighty. Um, And maybe also I tend to get bogged down by the weight of pain and suffering externally. Like when I I get overwhelmed by the pain of the world, I feel it pretty intensely. And so maybe it's something about God that I need to really like meditate on and work on because I don't know that I have a good picture of God as Mm. mighty.
1: No, that's real. Uh, Yeah. The images, when I, when I think of some, when I just think of mighty in general, even if it's not related to God, they're not the best ones, Mm. the best pictures, because usually when I think might, it's similar to what I was kind of talking about in relation to princes last time. It's, it's, uh, folks who use their power and riches to overcome Mm The weak. Yep. And the depiction of God for many uh actually not in every text. It doesn't seem like in every text that God's might is used to rescue, although that's how it's meant to be understood, right? Yes. There are passages you know, like the conquests and everything like that. Um God's might through the people of Israel just just slaying folks. But um Yeah, it hasn't always been like, oh, here is a mighty warrior coming for us. And I think some of that is because we're always told, oh, Jesus incarnation was a disappointment for those who are waiting for a mighty Mm -hmm. God. Yeah. And so we've had to reframe mighty to be meek and don't get me wrong. I think there is a lot of strength in meekness. Yes. uh, And a lot of beauty in Jesus nonviolent way of roaming the earth and saving us. Uh, even in passively receiving suffering. However, Isaiah does have many pictures of the delivering God. Mm who is one who wears a warrior suit. So in Isaiah 59, that is one of the first places you see imagery that Paul uses in Ephesians about, uh, put on the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the the shoes of peace. Yeah. And that wasn't just to like fight off spiritual principalities that was meant to image this person in power coming to the weak in order to, uh, save them. So that's been like the most, um, recent one but yeah it's 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 that it's a it's a mixed bag of what i think for that
0: yeah i feel like there's tension um for yeah. me and i wonder if part of that is our is is a response to or a reversal of maybe the cultural christian understanding of might i think we i grew up with a lot of um imagery around like battlefields or like on a crusade for Christ or, um, I think it's been misused the idea of might, but I, we have to be honest about like I'm currently in numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's where I'm reading. It's, I told someone today, it's actually really boring. Um, I'll just be honest. (laughs) And also I have seen the fruit of it because when I start to meditate on new Testament scripture, I'm like, Oh yeah, Yeah, that's what that's about. Um, but in the moment it's not that fun. However, you know in the early old testament and really throughout the old testament there's a lot of you know wesley kind of alluded to this or touched on this a few weeks ago with his sermon um there's a lot of violent imagery displaying god's holiness his mm-hmm. mightiness like his sovereign right, his sovereignty right, right, really
1: right.
0: and there's tension there for me the one of the ways that I've learned to start thinking about that and I should have looked it up and I didn't, but there's a, I'll, I'll maybe like send it out in the Mm -hmm. group text, but there's a podcast episode that the liturgists Mm -hmm. did. And I listened to it several years ago when I was a fellow. Um, and they had a guy on there who was talking about, he was a a black American man and he was talking about, you know, in the Exodus story, when God destroys all of the Egyptian soldiers it's a comfort to him right, right. to see God as mighty, to know that if I am, if I or my people are under an oppressive regime, right. I wanna know that my God is willing to decimate right, right. the person who is oppressing me. Right, like right. I wanna know that I'm protected. Right, right. And that's a comfort to me. And also in that mightiness, Jesus introduces in the New Testament when he comes a new way of thinking about might, as yes, I'm God is able to decimate the oppressor, and also Jesus offers a way for the oppressor to come and surrender right, right right like it's it's both, and that mightiness is in his meekness, and I don't have a good concept of that yet, yeah, yeah, but i it's like a it's like a vague feeling that I know like I'm like, okay, I need to move towards God as that because I don't understand God in that kind of way
1: right mind. yeah, yeah, absolutely, um that understanding of God in his might specifically for the African-American black context is very specific. If you uh, read African-American religious history and get in touch with the practices of enslaved ancestors and whatnot, the main way they viewed God was as liberator. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you'll hear about stories of revolutions and even uh, people called like Nat Turner. Now, Nat Turner was an enslaved person, who uh after several years of just being beat up and abused and seeing many killings uh the way the story is told but it's written also by a person who was in a lot of power that day so they probably fudged up a lot of his story went on these rampages to save some of the people on plantations you know what i'm saying and and that required defense so when i think might i for sure think a person who's able to defend and rescue and lead to a places of freedom, but also like, uh, that type of might of God that we need is also in response to another kind of white, not a kind of might that is toxic and, uh, wicked. And that, that is where, um, the rub really comes because you'll have these philosophies. That's why the nonviolent philosophy was like such a big thing. And you'll see so many, uh, discourses and disputes, in relation to, uh, like even Malcolm X or a Dr. King, before they started working together, they got into a lot of debates like, yo, uh, the type of might you're trying to show through meekness MLK is it's leaving people susceptible to death. Mm-hmm. Like if someone touches me, I'm a, I'm gonna pull out my AR or oh, I don't know if he had an AR, but some type of M16 or, yeah. uh, weapon of defense. So yeah, that's, those are kind of some of the images that come to my mind in this, uh, uh tension I wrestle with the second question, uh, it kind of relates to something you said earlier, but it's two parts. So yes, does our God being mighty serve as a comfort to you? If so, why, and does it sometimes create fear? Um, I know we touched on that a little bit so we can move on, but mm-hmm. if you have any other thoughts on that, just let me know.
0: Yeah. Um, I think ultimately, yes, Mm -hmm. it does serve as a comfort. I want to know that someone is in charge Mm -hmm. and someone is more powerful than me because I like to think that I'm in charge Mm -hmm. and everything that happens in my family or in my marriage or in my neighborhood relies on me doing the right thing. And actually to recognize that I have no control, I have no power other than what I, other than the power that I rest in, in Jesus, like he, he has all the might, he holds right, all the power. Right. And so it keeps me from, it keeps me from fighting battles that are not mine to fight, mm. that the Lord says, I didn't ask, who asked you to do that? Right, in right. the words of Nikki Norman, who, who, asked, you who asked you
1: to do that? <laughs>
0: I, like who told you you needed to do right. that? No one told you that. Right, right. Um, And so it is a comfort. It's a comfort to know that God is in charge, that he holds all the power, that he is mighty to rescue, to overturn, to, Um, to save.
1: Yeah. I think of that parable of um, Lazarus and the rich man in Luke. And you see Lazarus, Lazarus, this poor man, his sores are being licked up from dogs and just being neglected by this uh, community of wealth around him. And then he's with Father Abraham in the end. And what I'm not saying is that my comfort is that this other men in the parable is just like burning. It's like serves you right sucker. But there is a comfort in the sense that like God actually sees and is turning things around for the good in ways that are pretty much impossible to believe right now. Um, and, and yeah, just the comfort that, God's wrath brings, I used to think it was relegated to like, especially in the reform spaces I was in, it's like the wrath of God is on you if you don't place your faith in Jesus. So I was like, oh, so you could just be out here slaughtering and abusing folks and say one prayer and there's no wrath on you. But folks who haven't said this prayer, who have been neglected, impoverished, um, pushed to the margins, Mm -hmm. there, there's no, uh, There's no vindication on their behalf and I just don't read the Bible in that way anymore. Uh, don't get me wrong. Faith in Jesus is significant to me and I want everyone to, uh, express that in Christ somehow. However, that, that type of comfort in just knowing that the bullies won't always win and the poor won't always be subordinated. Even the Psalms, you see this, like the presumed invincibility, of the wicked yeah and God is like my presence with you right now will serve as a comfort that that's not true right. and my uh, and my vindication and my vengeance and my might right. will show that that won't always be the case
0: yeah because none of what Jesus came to talk about or say none of none of the claims he made about himself matter if he doesn't hold all the power right like if God isn't mighty yeah it doesn't matter that he he wants to rescue right but he is like he does have the power yes. it's, he has he holds it all right. He really does it's true
1: yeah. yeah yeah um the there's a passage in exodus to um 23 through 25 and that's the first time god is mentioned in exodus and one of the things it says is, uh, and the king of Egypt had died, the Pharaoh of Egypt had died, and the people of Israel cried out to God. Because what that meant is that would continue to lead to a succession of pharaohs who didn't know Israel's history yeah. in Egypt, why they were in Goshen. It wasn't to be enslaved. Right. It was to uh, live alongside them because of the blessing of the life of Joseph. Right, It and was to honor Joseph. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and all of that. Uh, But it says, so they cried out, um, just worried. And it says God heard and God remembered them. And that's a huge part of God's might that serves about his comfort to me as well. Um, Not that he forgot in his mind somehow that things, but it's like, all right. I'm ready to act and yeah. Moses is on the scene next yeah, chapter. Yeah, he was
0: moved to compassion and he responded to the cries of his people and he could because he is mighty. Yes. He is mightier than empires, he is mightier than the gods of the day like he actually is. Yes. Yeah.
1: Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Um is that is that ever like a a fearful thing to you?
0: It probably should be more
1: so. <laughs> right, right.
0: Than it is. Uh-huh. Um because I feel like, no, I don't experience a whole lot of fear mm-hmm. of God's might. And that's probably because I wrongly believe that I am on the side of good, mm. that I am on the side of morality. And Susie Coppins went off the other day mm. in Mosaic Women's Bible Study when she said, <laughs> morality is a social construct. Right, we right. need to be concerned with righteousness.
1: Right, right. right and right,
0: righteousness right. is agreeing with who God says he is Mm. and because of that, being obedient to what he says to do. That's different than morality. Morality is just the social code of what what we believe in this day is right and is wrong. I probably get stuck in morality quite a bit and believe that I'm on the side of the good. So it feels great that God's mighty, right? Because I'm on his team. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And in actuality, like it is not about what I perceive as good, it is about Am I aligned with the character of God? Do I understand his sovereignty? Do I understand his absolute power? And probably I don't, mm. and therefore I'm not as afraid as I should be. Wow. Which is tough.
1: No, no, that's that's good. I don't know if we always realize or are willing to come to terms with how much on the side of good we're not.
0: Right. <laughs> and that that should actually be a comfort
1: yeah yeah you know <laughs> what i'm, I'm saying if we, yeah if we were to be revealed if that yeah. were all to be exposed it would just be like embarrassing like i get uh, yeah. i get really embarrassed pretty quickly mm. anyway and so that type of expose is not what i would want to be in the headlines you know what i'm saying but um yeah it it hasn't served as much as a insider of fear for me either mm. and i think for some of the reasons that you explained and i think um At sometimes it's because if I can just double down on what I think is my responsibility to do in this life, yes, in relation to morality, but also this, this, um, conviction that righteousness is loving my neighbors and loving the poor, even if I don't feel God's power around that, my lack of consideration of God and God's intervention, uh, It just won't lead to as much uh, internal crises (laughs) as it used to because you get um, smacked in the face with the reality that it doesn't seem like God is powerful. That's why there are all these, there's this thing called theodicy and there are these propositions of God's involvement in our suffering. And there are different ways people try to philosophically talk about if God is all powerful, but not all loving, then he's not. All that good because he can't do the rescue Mm -hmm. but if he's all powerful but not loving then that's a tyrant you know what i mean and i think some of these categories can be helpful but they just don't really um fully explain the type of um abandonment you feel in moments when might is not on your behalf. So since sometimes I don't always see God's intervention for good, I'm like, well, that's also a good thing because it can't work for bad. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Uh, like it, it just, I'm the one who's responsible. I'm the one who's just going to receive these things. And that's like when I'm at my worst, I'm not always feeling that way. Does it doesn't make sense.
0: So I think what you're saying is if I could summarize yeah, it, yeah, yeah. like, you don't always believe that God is as concerned with evil in the world as you are.
1: Right. Right. Which right. is
0: not true. Correct. But when you believe that it's quite depressing. Right. Right. And, and it, 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 it produces despair. Yeah. 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 And, and probably pride. Right. Cause God, why, why haven't you done the thing that I think you should do?
1: Correct. But Espe- especially, and yeah, yeah. And, It, uh, yes, for sure incited, uh, by pride, despair, but it also just like, and many times feels warranted and just like, I, if God's not going to do anything, uh, then whether it's in relation to God's concern for evil or his ability to do good, uh, that just don't always matter to me. I'm a just like do me, live in my community, works amongst the folks who are trying to do good and we can celebrate each other amidst that. And if we want to tag name God's name to it, then that's cool. Then that's cool. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and you're right. It's not true. Right. Uh it's not true. It it is um a sign of a lot of uh fractured faith. Um uh, but that's that's also another thing I want God's might for to restore the times we can actually see and feel God working righteousness in us and amongst us. Uh, because those are the times, uh, that we see Israel strengthened, right? You see, uh, her and, uh, Joshua lifting Moses's hands in the army and you see like God is there with them and that gives them uh, times of refreshment to say, Oh no, 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 God really is working. So I know for me. Uh, I know I shouldn't be dependent upon signs and miracles to substantiate faith in God, but they can be quite an encouragement. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's interesting, though, because what about when Jesus starts revealing himself and manifesting his glory at the beginning of his ministry, and he's like, yeah, y'all want to see signs, but that's not going to make you believe because he knows the heart of man.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's, that's important. I, um, that is not what will make you believe. So it won't substantiate it. And even it being a refreshment or an encouragement, um, that's temporary as well, right? Like those are things, but, uh, but also milestones and memorandums. So you're right. Like Jesus coming is like, there is a aspect to faith that is much more central than what you can see. Uh, that, that is just going to be like this receiving my glory, right? He came and they saw his glory, but they also rejected him as well. So no, I think, yeah, I think that's actually an important warning to those of us who are dependent upon, um, immediacy, immediate deliverance as a sign of God's goodness.
0: Yeah. And it makes me wonder, like a question that I haven't considered. And maybe as I meditate on God's might, this is a question to consider is, why is it that God so often seems to conceal his mightiness? Right. And again, I'm I'm wondering is it because I can't handle it
1: properly? Mm. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. but but if it turned out for like your rescue, why would it be unhandleable? I know. Like yeah, I, know. I don't know, what's the word for that? Unhandleable is not a word.
0: Like uh why would
1: it be something you can't handle? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Okay. It's a good question. Yeah, that's um, yeah, these are the questions that keep me up at night. Um, yeah, this, uh, so this is like the last question I got for us today. Uh, what does the quality of might look like in the life of uh, a believer? Is it something we should pursue or can it? Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think about that? Ugh,
0: I have so much tension around this question. Yeah. I think my gut instinct is to go, the, the might part is not the thing that I want to pursue, Mm -hmm. but it is something I believe that as I pursue Jesus, the Holy spirit will build in me. And when I say that, I mean like Jesus presented himself as meek and humble. I mean, he, he emptied himself of power. So if I'm following Jesus, it seems to me that I should probably do the same. I, I, don't do a good job of it. Yeah. I actually, um, it turns out I've really engage in power struggles pretty often. I want to mm. feel powerful. Yeah. I don't want to give ground to other people. Mm. I want to, um, assert power over others. And so I would say, no, I think following Jesus is surrendering power and might and believing that Jesus holds it all yeah, yeah, yeah. and resting in that. Um, at the same time, you know, we're heirs with Christ. Yeah. We're given biblical authority and mandated to rule over yeah. the places that we inhabit, our, our neighborhoods. And that doesn't that doesn't mean, I don't think, an assertion of, of power. It means um, working for the good and the flourishing. But you've got to believe that you have the authority to do that.
1: Right. Like I,
0: I, so there's tension there for me. Um, I don't think I do a good job of it. So, I tend to either a assert my power and power up over others, or when I really, when I probably want to be lazy and just mm. have an excuse, give my power away and go, "Uh, I can't do anything. There's mm. nothing I can do, right? And so what does it look like to faithfully trust that God holds all the might, He yep. holds all the power. I can rest in that and and um, embody and walk in the power to do things right. Not power under, not power over, but power to. that's good. Um, to influence my neighborhood, my community, um, for for the glory of God, for the kingdom. Right. And that feels really hard, simple. It's simple to talk about. Right. Uh, but it's hard to do.
1: Right. No, that, Ooh, that is a word. Um, there's a book called King's cross. A uh, collection of sermons. Um, and an interesting point, the author of it makes it's Tim Keller. He talks about the central powers when central powers are located, uh, towards the favor of Christians historically yes. when Christianity has been the central force of power. Yes. Yes. Great things have not happened. Oh, what do you mean? Uh, yeah. So whether <laughs> you want to talk about the Roman empire, uh-huh. uh, you want to talk about the schism in 1054 between, uh, uh-huh. Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox folks, and uh-huh. just trying to lead a nation or, uh, a world uh-huh. quite honestly, based off of, um, your beliefs that are, quite honestly, culturally interpreted as well, uh, that, that is probably not what we want in relation to might. that is something that I think we should always relinquish where my attention and struggle is. I also think about, um, when you read civil rights history and you see that it took until 1964 for the voting rights act to pass. And a bunch of folks who were disempowered to be self-determined. Self-determinism was one of the hugest uh, things that black people needed to know they had in America, but have been stripped of of all the times. It's like the ability to vote is such a form and location of power through a democratic process. So it's not power above or underneath, but alongside, you know what I mean, of people trying to make a way in a world to do good. Um, and a lot of those convictions within the black church at that time, uh, which was segregated was to, to, to be the sheep and not the goats. When I think about the way Jesus delineates those who understood his kingdom and those who didn't, he says, oh yeah, 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 y'all are in. And they're like, why though? He said, cause you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I had nothing. And, uh, you, um, housed me when I had no house. Uh, you gave little, well, you gave cup of cold water to me when I was thirsty. And they said, when do we do this? And he said, when you did to one of these little ones. And that's what I think, uh, that, uh, the black church has hugely, uh, been a witness of though might has not always worked for them. <laughs> uh, it, it has always been it's been leveraged as a way to actually do good in the world rather than to assert. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what my tension is like in voting. It's not like you're like, Oh, I'm the one I'm voting for myself. So I can demonstrate all these things. It's like, no, I'm trying to find ways and live my life in a communal effort to love God and love people that is not about, um, where I'm not the central aim of the story, hopefully for us, uh, might looks like a gentle demonstration of the love of Jesus, not a coercion that, ah, submit to this (laughs) and, and that's, that's the type of might that I think Jesus have, like the influence of gentle love, uh, and, uh, the process of loving neighbors through all of that. So, yeah, it's, um, this, this has been an interesting one. To think through for me because I feel like I'm always talking out both sides of my mouth. I'm always wanting to caveat it because just even the word "might" it doesn't settle well mm. with me, right? When you think about "might is right" and right. all that means, it's it not, a yeah, it's not a pretty picture.
0: Yeah. yeah, you know, i I go back to this a lot because I was able to really enjoy some great teaching when I was a fellow. But um, one of my professors, Gary Weedman, mm-hmm. professor at Johnson University he taught a class on power dynamics Mm -hmm. and he, this sort of central thesis was that we as Christians learn about power from watching and understanding and meditating on the interactions of the Trinity within Mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. So, God the Father, God the Spirit, um, and then Jesus, God the Son. And Jesus modeled what it was like to fully rest in his Father's power to know that he didn't have to exert himself or assert power over anybody else in order to accomplish his mission. Yeah. He waited for the father's command. Mm-hmm. He listened, he rested. And then when God said, go, go, it's time. He, he obeyed. Right, right. And in that way, he had all the might of the creator God at his fingertips right. and he never did anything apart from his father telling him it was time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so
0: I just, I would love to be a person who does that. And I am absolutely not. I often feel that I am under the power of others. And when I believe that I then have to power over others in order to get my way instead of resting in the knowledge that I am an heir with Christ. Like I share in his inheritance, which means the father, I have the might of the creator God Mm -hmm. loving me, guiding me behind me and all I need to do is wait and listen for his voice and then obey. Mm. Um, and I really don't do that very often.
1: Yeah. Um, a lot, a lot of good stuff to reflect on there. The, the waiting, the watching, the trusting Yeah. and yeah, that belief that power really does belong to us in Jesus, Mm -hmm. um, It's very different than what we probably want power to mean yes and that's okay so for sure like thank you for coming on again we got a couple more of these i pray it's a blessing to y'all mosaic we love you